Hi there. Welcome and thank you for listening in. I'm super stoked to have you with me. My name is Philip Hartmann and Being Dad is a show for dads. I meet and speak to unique dads, asking them to impart their wisdom and to share their experiences as dads with us. The reason for being dad is my own story. I became a father five times within 13 months. Yes, five times, 13 months. I was seriously underprepared and I struggled to find inspiring content for myself. By meeting and connecting with these men, I'm trying to learn all there is about being a dad. We cover heart-to-heart topics between two dads and our aim is to inspire other fathers. And with this, hopefully we can make a positive impact on families around the world. The best advice I could give to myself as a dad is uh, to totally be okay with failing, to, to know that I'm going to make mistakes and, and give myself grace uh, to do so and, and obviously work towards recovering. And then the best piece of advice my dad ever gave me that's carried me well through my life, and it certainly is something I apply uh, constantly to being a dad, and that's to trust myself, to just trust my gut and, and to do those things I believe to be right in, uh, in the raising of my kiddos. My next dad, Commander Rourke Denver, is a highly decorated assault team leader with over 200 combat missions as a Navy SEAL. Of course, he's also dad. Rourke has run every phase of training for the US Navy SEALs and he's led special forces missions in the Middle East, in Africa, in Latin America and also in other international hotspots. As officer in charge of Bravo Platoon of SEAL Team 3 in Iraq, he was part of the most combat-heavy deployments of any regular SEALs team since Vietnam. Rock has a master in global business leadership and he's the founder and CEO of Ever Onward, a leadership and human performance brand. I'll put the link in the show notes. As a dad, Rock is married and he's got two daughters. My personal feeling was that Rock lives in a permanent state of heightened intensity and he's also able to live single purposefully. The session is very interesting, fun, and I found it very motivational, and Rourke's views are quite intriguing. In this episode, we talk about self-discipline, prepping your kids for hard times, and how parents who are being deployed manage to transition between family life and combat situations. Rourke shares his standpoints and values as a dad, and he talks about his own father and his own upbringing. He also shares lessons from the battlefield and from SEALs training and how those are applicable for families in his mind. We talk about general parenting principles, how to keep your relationship strong and healthy, the importance of own pursuits, goal setting, operating at your highest point of contribution and holding your kids accountable whilst still supporting them. Not surprisingly, Rogue is big on tangible over digital experiences in family. The most powerful takeaways for me as a dad were trust yourself, share your failures more than your successes with your kids and the why, keep working towards an end state, do hard things and do not avoid suffering and pain, build resilient, confident children and never leave a question unanswered. And lastly, and I love this one, As a father of daughters, the example I set as a man is fundamental as a gift for their future. The regular listeners will know this. I'm part of Together for Cape Town, where we aim to raise enough money for three million meals for kids in Cape Town's townships before the year is out. 
If you'd like to support our course, please check out togetherforcapeton.com and donate or reach out. To those of you who have, thank you so much. By now we've reached well over 100,000 meals. You're amazing. Lastly, if my podcast helps you to be a better parent, please do share it with other parents. This really helps me. What also helps me is, please leave a review. If you want to get feedback to me, this is the best way and it helps the podcast too. And it makes my day. All right. Thank you so much. Please enjoy the session with Rourke Denver. Rourke, I'm super stoked to have you. Um, we found each other through a common friend, Warren Rustand. And he's recommended you and we had a call before and it was really good. I wish uh, we would have recorded that no, one. No, I know. I we had to cut, we had to cut ourselves <laughs> off. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm looking forward to the session. Um, Yeah, Rock Denver is your name. We all know that. And um, you're a Navy SEAL and a Navy SEAL trainer, which is quite impressive. I know that you guys are hard and, and, but do go through an amazing, amazing training. So I do want to hear about that, especially. Um, but before we dive into that, maybe you can give a quick intro about yourself and then we dive straight into Rock the Dad. Sure. Yeah. I grew up in the Bay Area, California, kind of in the heart of, of, of Silicon Valley before it blew up into the tech, uh, you know, wildfire that exists there today. It seemed like a very normal place to grow up. I mean, it was, you know, by no means the rough streets of Northern California. It, it was, uh, it was just, you know, a lot simpler. I mean, there are apricot orchards and, you know, felt like normal schools. You had no idea they were building, you know, the computers, stealth fighters and all the tech that has boomed out of that, um, part of the world, uh, when I was there. Um, I struggled a lot in school. It wasn't because of any intellectual horsepower or ability. It was more, um, the confines of Of four walls and sit in a classroom is not something that's ever particularly been a great fit for me. I like uh, physical learning and, and kind of being out, uh, getting in trouble and running amok. So sports was a real heavyweight grounding and, and um, successful place for me to kind of exercise, uh, you know, gifts, I think, in leadership and ability and, and teamwork and all the things I've enjoyed most of my life. So I, I played a bunch of sports growing up. I ended up getting recruited to play lacrosse uh, in college in upstate New York at one of the, the real titans, one of the big teams um, in the collegiate landscape. Got a chance to win a couple national championships at the highest level when I was there. I ended up being a team captain and um, uh, really enjoyed that experience of playing at that most elite level. And I wanted to continue that. So I found through a bunch of my reading, I was reading Winston Churchill, my senior year of college, the idea of military service jumped out at me. And then uh, I did a bunch of research and found out about 75, 80% of the people that go to SEAL training do not see the finish Don't line. Make it. <laughs> and so I was like, that sounds like the right odds to I'm, me. You know, yeah. I'll do that. And uh, it was a 20-year uh, action-packed career. Little did we know 9-11 was going to unfold and we'd be at war the entire time. But tremendous, tremendous experience, uh, both on and off the battlefield and running training. And now uh, my beautiful bride, who who joined me very early in that adventure, uh, she and I met you know right at the beginning of my career. So she suffered through all that all those years of kind of sustained combat and fighting and separation. We luckily had uh, our two kiddos. I've got two daughters and we, we luckily had them post my kind of active assault team round. So I was, I was as close to home as I could be in that job running the training for the seals. And uh, yeah, it's just been a great adventure and, you know, I've written a couple books. I've uh, done some entertainment stuff and just kind of making it up as I go along. It's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And impressive. I mean, you've done some impressive stuff on that. In terms, I mean, and I know that you've 
You've done what 180 missions. De being oh yeah, I mean, quickly? I guess depending on how you depending on how you count them, I'm probably o over 200 combat missions. But but certainly over in 200, the and that's yeah. real combat. Obviously, you were in in Ivory Coast, you were in Iraq, um, leading leading SEAL teams, snipers, everything really. Hey, correct, correct. Yeah, and how is that as a dad? So you, for context, you've got two daughters. Yeah, yeah. And how old are they? They are uh, nine and eleven. In nine eleven now, so um, two thousand eleven, you were obviously still fully in the army, operational, right? Yep. And how was that uh, as a dad? How do you prepare to go on a mission? Like you must change your mind from being a father to now being in the battlefield and changing. I mean, I guess the outside, the mission is clear, right? You you are being deployed to protect your country. That's what you're doing as a seal. And you're doing um, special covert missions often and dangerous stuff. How do you switch in that sense? And how are you able to create that mindset for yourself so you can actually function in the battlefield and not are not distracted in that sense because you also are a father and you have those two roles. Really. Sure. How do you get that together? Yeah, I mean, I think I think everybody does it a little bit differently or probably has their own way of making that t transition. I, I, I've heard a lot of guys talk about it being a switch that they turn on and off. I thought mm -hmm. it less of a switch transitioning between two different people as more being a throttle, right? So like you can be on idle, you can be full blast, or you can be somewhere in between. And so for me, you know, when, I ho when I'm home and I'm with my family, I try and very much separate from the SEAL part of my life. I want to be present for them. I want to be engaged and not, you know, constantly in a red line of, of, of intensity and focus and, and commitment to a, a very singular purpose. So I, I, I think I had a unique or I think at least a very disciplined and capable ability to do that. I, I don't feel like I brought my work home. Um, my bride, before we had kids, knew when I was with her, I was with her. Um, of course, if the cell phone rang, it was time to go do our work. She knew that I'd, I'd have to drop it in a second and go do the work. So it takes a team, you know, it takes a family just as it obviously does in parenting as well. Or certainly uh, you can benefit from, you know, the combination of, of two people doing the job. And she knew that very well. So it was more of a throttle between a high level of intensity back to a more normal level intensity in my job. I think I probably always live in a, a heightened level of intensity compared to a normal, you know, a normal person. And that's just the nature of, uh, of, of kind of the warrior life. Um, but when it came to my, my kiddos, I, I was very lucky as a parent that I wasn't deploying into the combat theater once okay. I had my, my girls. I just, I just, okay. I had promoted and transitioned into jobs beyond that requirement. And so, um, while the job was still intense, nowhere near the level of, of, of focus and intensity or the separation and time away from family. My, my teammates who had to leave their families and kids for big blocks of time, my respect for them is off the charts. because I, I, I honestly can't imagine it. Yeah. I had a very, very interesting chat with a veteran who was shot in, uh, in, in, in mission, actually. He was a, a Marine and he came back to, well, you know, he came back and his wife wanted a divorce. And it was yeah. a very interesting session because he said it kind of happens often. You know, you leave, you leave the country and you are on this mission, gunslinging a uh, soldier with grenades on your chest kind of thing. Yeah. Um, And then something something obviously changes in, in, during the mission and often they come back with uh, PTSD and you can't always switch down from that intensity and, you know, you kind of crash into a very different scenario or different life. Yeah. 
And on top of it all, he go, he was shot, so he wasn't even able to use the bathroom on his own. So you you kind of left as as this, this marine, amazing, powerful kind of soldier situation, and then he got back into totally dependent, and the baby and, and the baby was born while he was deployed, and the wife going, yeah, you know, I can't do this anymore. We, we're Ugh. separating. Yeah, it, no. it was really intense, like very very interesting. Um, he they managed to get fifty fifty custody, which I found really really great. Um. Yeah. Okay. Different session. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I mean, look, I, I, I lived it as well. I mean, I saw plenty of buddies that came back with more, more scars physically and emotionally than they, or, or emotionally and kind of spiritually than they did physically. Uh, and then I yeah. saw buddies that came back physical, physically damaged in, in ways that changed their life. It takes a tremendous, tremendous, um, spouse to handle you know, what we do at any level of, of, of combat and, and warfare. I think special operations are unique in that I think um, our guys tend to metabolize and handle um, the emotional intensity and the, the kind of physical intensity of the job better than um, the average, but by, by no means are we immune to those things that can really oh, impact course. your life negatively. Yeah. Can you speak on that? Um, your ever onward um, system or principles and how you can apply them to dads or family, not just dads, I guess. Um, there will be a lot of a lot of that leadership learning and material that is applicable for family. Can you talk about that? Sure, sure. It, you know, at Ever Onward, I try and take and distill the lessons that I learned, you know, on the battlefield, both in the combat assault teams, then also running training for the SEALs. And how do I apply that to my regular life, to a business life, and then certainly to a family and kind of parenting life. And I think Many of the principles that lead towards success in any endeavor cross rate over into something else. I mean, I, I think this is known about the progression of a human being that if you discipline yourself and you build to a level of excellence or certainly mastery in any one discipline, it can often carry over into others because the pr principles that got you there remain very much the same. So mm. uh, I'm a huge proponent of doing doing hard things, not not avoiding suffering and pain. I think uh, we've kind of established a world right now, certainly in the modern or kind of the advanced world where, you know, you could go from a climate controlled car to a climate controlled office and then back to your climate controlled house and never realize it was hot or cold outside or experiencing anything of that. And I think in some ways that that's a mistake and very much so a mistake. I think, I think life is hard, no matter how gifted you are or how, um, you know, how lacking gifts you might be. I think hardship and toughness And, and tough times hit all of us. And if you've avoided pain, if you've avoided doing hard things, then you're not inoculated and prepared for those things to take place. So I think doing hard things and kind of being prepared to fail and wading into those things is a huge part of our life. And then as a, as a parent, as hard as it is, I try and, you know, project that or at least offer that to my kids. I mean, I think there's a lot of parents that, you know, hover and, you know, help a kid zip up their, their jacket and tie their shoes and, you know, get past every single single obstacle and you realize very quickly how are they going to learn to do it themselves if you're if you're doing it for them so yeah. um i've had some wayward eyes from parents and moms and, and folks on a playground that see my kids sort of in a spot that <laughs> she's going to have a hard time getting out of and i would never put them you know in harm's way to the point where of course i think something catastrophic no, can happen of course but yeah. Um, I have had a few moments where somebody's like zipped in to get my 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 daughter's um snow gloves on i'm like don't She can put her gloves on. I mean, how is she going to learn how to put her gloves on? So I try yeah. and inject that um, kind of prepping for the hard times and prepping for, you know, real life is 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 a benefit I'd give my kids uh, as opposed to um, helping them through everything. 
Yeah, and that's powerful. And I guess there's a certain line of like, you know, where you do obviously come to the rescue and and where you don't. And if, if, sure. you, if you don't cross that line, it's fine. You know, the children are actually very resilient, so to speak. Like, I mean, we're a similar age. I think you're five or six years older than I am. And I mean, when I grew up, we were still like walking in the forest, making a fire. Great yes. idea. But, you know, that's the kind of stuff we did. And, you yes. know, now you can't walk anywhere as a child. We took our bicycles everywhere. You know, we were out and about every every day out in the streets and, and yeah. that's kind of changed i think no i think the fact that my daughters you know have learned how to shoot a gun and and play rough and make fires and you know uh get dirty is is only going to carry them well in life because they're they're the things that you know help build confidence and and the only way i see you building confidence in a kid is is giving them opportunities to fail and push themselves and get to a place where they realize they can do it you know you you hear stories constantly of kids that were you know almost mismanaged as um as children or or, or somewhat left to their own devices and those become often it doesn't always work but often very resilient self-reliant capable people so while i want to give my kids as much guidance and as as many lessons as i've learned i've realized that you know particularly one of my daughters doesn't take a lot of my guidance or life lessons um well she she'd just rather figure it out on her own i'm kind of like you know what she will she'll figure it out on her own i'm there to give advice and offer you know wisdom or experience but not to i i recognize the heavy hand with her is not something that works whereas my youngest uh she's all about it she's like go ahead and teach me now and i'll, I'll just step off from that foot so they'll walk different paths and i think that's another thing is realizing that every you know every one of your kids if you have more than one they're different and they need different type of parenting and different type of leadership and different kind of guidance and being able to read that, uh, I think, is going to make you more successful than not. Uh, what's the age difference? Nine and? Uh, nine and 11. Okay, nine and 11. So they're quite close together in terms of mm-hmm. age anyways. Yeah. They are. I get that too. I mean, mine are almost the same age, as you know, twins and triplets and uh, like <laughs> only like six or eight months difference really. But so they're pretty much the same and the younger ones are learning from the older sure. ones, but they are very much individuals. They are very different as different persons. Yes. Not because of the age so much or less and less so, but as people, they are very different. Yeah. And I mean, to further what you said, I think it makes a lot of sense to let your kids fail uh, more when they're younger. Yes. Because it the costs, the opportunity cost is much less. No, for you know, sure. I think that's the thing is, is you figure it's the same, you know, again, it, it goes back to military training as you're asking me about it is we, we make the intensity, we, we ramp it up, right? Like we start somebody with very basic marksmanship skills, basic swimming skills, basic diving skills. We don't just jump right into the advanced stuff. You got to, you know, crawl, crawl, walk and run. So I think when you let your kids in particular as a parent, make mistakes early and then support them in those mistakes, then you build somebody that becomes like a learning supercomputer that's willing to take risk, willing to evaluate what they can and can't do and recognize that if it doesn't work, that's okay. And it's time to move forward and get to things that work. I mean, that's that's something my bride and I take very, very seriously is in some ways, um, she's a very high performer. She has, um, she's been mm-hmm. a high performer in work. She's in the mu- musical theater and is in lead roles in, in big shows in the area that we live. And, and so she's a very successful person. And, and there's probably a pretty good argument to make by a lot of metrics. Uh, I've had a lot of success in my life. And one of the things we, we recognize early is we need to share 
our failures probably more than our successes with our kids. We need to let them see. And not only that, we have failed. Show them when we fail. I mean, when I make a mistake, I actually try and jump at the opportunity to tell my girls, oh man, Papa just blew it on this one. And this is where I made a mistake and I'm disappointed by it, but I'm going to keep working to an end state. Those are the, those are the examples that I think build um, really resilient, you know, yeah. confident kiddos. Yeah, it also kind of levels the playing field, doesn't it? For sure. Do do you do you struggle with? Um, so your wife is successful, and you're also successful in that sense. Do you struggle with um, accepting that your kids are not sometimes as successful, or if you want something to happen, and you you know you train you try to train people all the time? Yeah. How do you deal with that if it doesn't happen? How does it feel for you? Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's a work in progress. I think there was a time when I probably was more interested in kind of who they're going to become and helping guide that and giving them paths that would get them to where I think they'd, you, you know, kind of have a rich or enriched life and kind of path. And I think as a parent, if you don't realize that it's very hard to do that and probably not worth the time, uh, you're going to struggle and be an unhappy, an unhappy person in that pursuit. I mean, yep. my, I was an athlete my entire life. I think I just figured my kids would be athletes and, um, they're not, I mean, my first, my first daughter is, is super coordinated. If she wanted to be an athlete, I think she'd be great. She has no desire. She likes, you know, like her, her mama, she likes musical theater and singing and dance, which is all very athletic, but it's, it's a, a, a world that's been, is very new to me. And so it's something that I'm just, and, and now I see the delight in it as well. So what I recognize is when they're happy and doing the things that bring them pleasure, it, it's, it's super pleasurable for me. My, my youngest kiddo is an athlete. She's played a few sports. She hasn't really found the one she loves. Um, but she so much also likes older sister that she tries some of the things that her, her big sister does. So, um, at this point, I kind of realize I just want them involved in pursuing things and trying lots of things. I want them exposed um, to as many different experiences and opportunities and um, pursuits as they can so they find the thing they want. The, the one thing I do think my bride and I talk a little bit about is that I think if um, I think for her, if her parents maybe had pushed her a little bit more um towards a certain discipline like music, which she showed a proclivity for at a young age. She's a little frustrated that she probably didn't get a few more opportunities coming from a real small town to maybe go to the big city and try some of that stuff. And that that's not a, a mistake in any way of her parents. It just probably was kind of small town thinking a little bit and, and, and how, um, you know, how much you're willing to push or not push with your kids. So we try and strike a, strike a balance. Like my, my eldest is an unbelievable dancer having never taken dance. And, and for mm -hmm. whatever reason, we've offered her to go to dance classes so many times. And for whatever reason, she's been resistant. I think we've now got her convinced to try it. And we've only said it because we're like, look, there's good discipline there. There's good physical exercise and energy oh, to expend there. But like, yeah. you're good. Like, I mean, people will try real hard and never be as good as you. And you have it out of the package. You get some training and instruction. Some of them knows what they're doing. You could probably really excel at this. So we try and stoke fires in places with our with our girls that I think they might have success or be a path that we think they'd enjoy. And and then I'm going to let them run with the ball. You can't you can't manage it as much as I think you want to. Yeah. And I think it's very Difficult to teach outside of your own bias, right? Because you don't understand it so well. Yes. Maybe you should go to ballet class with her. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I, look, I, I'm <laughs> anything that's in the physical space is stuff I enjoy. So I, I like dancing myself. So I don't ballet know if difficult. ballet will be the spot, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> if you do, give me a shout. I want to be there. On yeah, the man. No pictures. Apple no FaceTime. pictures. No, no video. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we posted on dedicated. Yeah, man. <laughs> hey, tell me something that I didn't bring up about family and and your your positions that you take and your experiences. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing that uh I really try and hold omnipresent in my mind is that uh it is a full-time pursuit and one that you have to strike a balance with, you know, your personal kind of path and journey in life but being very present and engaged with them. And and that's where when I when, when I kind of kind of start with my initial concept of just giving yourself grace, grace to fail. There's times when I sit there and, and I just think I'm absolutely blowing it as a dad. You know, sometimes I'm too harsh, I feel like, or too tough on particularly my eldest because she's got a very challenging, aggressive, and kind of intense personality. I think it's the thing that's going to make her an absolutely fantastic uh, human and woman. Um But we tend to have similarities that that make us bang heads. Whereas my youngest is just easy. She's just an easy kid. She's just happy and um, you know, kind of in a great way, like a puppy dog. She wants to feel good. She makes you feel good. Um, she doesn't really stress big things and is not combative uh, in a way that you know my first, my eldest is. So I, I realize that I, I make, I feel like I make more mistakes with my 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 eldest kiddo and I just got to give myself grace to be like, this wasn't a catastrophic m mistake. And, and there's probably no way any one individual piece of the greater, you know, tapestry that will become our relationship and who she's become as a person is going to be affected by any one thread or any one thing I do. I think we always come from a place of love and respect and desire to help them to become good people and, and good good human beings and citizens and that that greater context of kind of love and care and genuine, genuine um, passion for them will bear out, I think, much greater than any individual decision point I make. Um, but, you know, my bride and I do a lot of checking in with each other as well as far as parenting. I mean, we she'll, she'll hold me accountable to things that I'm not seeing. She'll do mm -hmm. something that she didn't see. And I'll, I'll try and, you know, be a mirror and reflect maybe back some ideas that she hadn't thought about. And and so we're partners in in the adventure and, and really, really do lean on each other um, to take advantage of both of what we bring, you know, bring. Have to you the ritualized experience. those those check ins? Have you a ritual for those? Have we what? ritualize those have you got uh, I, a set I format? would say we've we've done it in a disciplined fashion it's like hey every you know sunday night we kind of come together to talk about mm -hmm. things but i think um we're big communicators i mean we're just not um we're not people that will miss a whole lot because we like to talk i'm a pretty introverted person she's exceptionally extroverted but uh I like talking with her and breaking things down and kind of debriefing everything that happens in our daily lives. Uh, mm -hmm. She's the person I like talking to the most. And so we partner up hugely on how we're doing and, and where we could, uh, you know, improve, adjust and, and, and kind of get to a point where what, what we're doing is, is having the impact we want it to have. Yeah. So we work yeah. pretty hard at it. Are you as a, I mean, <laughs> as a Navy Seals trainer, that must be pretty intense. Yeah. Can you, and as a businessman, I'm sure you're similar, so full, full speed. Can you, do you also throttle when you become a husband or do you switch? Uh, I, I think, I think it's a, it's a unique balance in, in that. I think my bride very much knew what she was signing up for as soon as she signed up for it. I think, yeah. um, 
the type of man she wanted to be around probably comes with the intense reality that that the path I chose very much could have led to me not coming back and not being there. And obviously that being the most catastrophic, horrific, emotionally intense result of what our relationship uh, could have ended up as. Unfortunately, uh, that didn't happen, at least up to date and on the battlefield. But I think she was willing to pay that price to be with the personality and, and who I am as a person, as a warrior, as a man mm-hmm. is something that appealed to her very much like, um, you know, her pursuits in the theater world and the things she does uh, takes her away from us now, probably equally to how much I go away when she's in a show. She's focused and committed. And, and I actually have to be more of a parent and pick up the water and carry the water uh, for us as parents, you know, more every evening during rehearsals and weekends for shows. And I actually think it's been a gift. I think it's just been a gift yeah. that her having a passion and pursuit, one, is a great example for our daughters and two, kind of forces me into a function of doing more than I probably would have done otherwise. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I think we strike a good balance. Would you say in the, in the stuff that you've shared now, are you also trying to, to help instilling that warrior feeling or warrior soul into your daughters? I, I hope so. I mean, I think it comes yeah. as an example. I, th- I think every parent that was ever in the military and probably parents that are, you know, police officers or do uh, difficult, you know, challenging, dangerous jobs, probably on some part of their spirit, would love their kiddos to follow in their same footsteps and would be very proud if that was the case and would also be a complete and utter disaster emotionally and, and uh, worrisome wise for my kids. I mean, if my daughters decide to go in the military, I'd be, uh, I'd be proud as can be. And I'd probably be an emotional wreck at knowing what was coming for them. But again, it kind of talks to what we talked about earlier. I think they, and all of us in this life walk our own path. I, I truly believe that you walk your own path. I think if you've got good friends and good people and good family around you, it helps you a Along that path, but uh, everybody's journey is theirs to walk. Yeah. Now, can you share some very practical advice on? I mean, you, we talked a lot about respect and and in the household. Um, how do you instill that? Like, you know, we've got to battle with three year olds and five year olds at the yeah. moment, so it's very interesting for me. You know, three year olds do whatever they want. Really, it feels like it. Anyway, sure. the five year olds are a little bit better. But how do you instill that? What can you share some practical advice of what you did? Sure. With your daughters when they were younger. Sure. Yeah. I mean, as a, as a father, I see, particularly as a father of daughters, I mm-hmm. see the example I set as a man as being a, a, a fundamental part of, of what I can do and give them as a gift. I don't by any means think, you know, my personality, my, you know, behavior is, is the way it just happens to be the way I've developed and who I am. And I think there are components of that of respect and discipline and honor and focus and drive that if I can set that example, that maybe that's, you know, in some ways the men they pursue in their life, if that's their, you know, if that's their kind of journey, uh, that, that that's a gift I would give them that I'd say, look, this is how I think a man behaves uh, when it comes to the way he relates to his bride to his kids, to his family, to his coworkers, the type of manners he exhibits, you know, in his daily life, the respect he shows for women and, and, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the most important women in his life. Those are examples that I take very, very seriously as examples Mm -hmm. I set for them, because I feel like I'm modeling behavior that I hope they would pursue in the future. Uh, one of the best pieces of advice I was ever given by a good buddy who's raised three, I think by every standard, very successful kids, uh, buddy of mine from Texas told me, he's like, Hey, never leave a question unanswered. 
And that was an amazing piece of advice because if you think about that and if you're, you know, your listeners and you think about that, you can think of how many times, you know, your kid has asked a question and, you know, you felt like you didn't have time. You didn't give it. It's 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 uh, you didn't honor it. And I think that's a mistake because kids are nothing but full of questions and they want to learn and they want to know what you think. And so I try and never leave a question unanswered. If my kid asks me something, I try and be present and answer that. And I think that's been a very practical piece of kind of performance that's been hugely, hugely powerful in our in our kind of family parenting life. Yeah, that is powerful. Yeah, because kind of if you leave it open, it just dissipates into nothing. And the next time, maybe she doesn't ask you anymore. That's right. That's right. Which is not I, ideal. I, I want them talking to me. And that's that's another a nuance and kind of a tangible thing is is really just that skill of listening. I think my bride has helped me with that more than anything. I mean, I think, I think I'm a good listener. I think she's a great listener. And I think she realized mm -hmm. very early on that my girls would bring um, – you know, either problems or concerns or questions about what was going on in the world, or maybe even making a statement about why they, the way they'd feel. And if it was a statement where I thought maybe they weren't, you know, in some ways seeing the whole picture or reacting the right way, I would try and explain that. And I think my bride has kind of groomed me over time to be like, you know, sometimes you just need to acknowledge what they said and let them think it through. You, you don't need yeah. to give them the perfect <laughs> I answer. Suck at that. Oh I my god! Make the solution. I, I know it. I know it's the worst. I know it's the worst. Know. It's the worst. And it, and and I, I think if you can do it, you are better for it as a parent. I think if you can just sometimes yeah. they just need to hear you be like, yeah, you know what? That sucks. I hear you. That's a bummer. That's a bummer. Yeah. And not give them no. any tools. I will remember. I mean, I do that mostly with my wife, which is a problem. Yeah. I go, it's problem solved. I, I shouldn't, but I mean, the kids are so young, but I will remember to not do it to my children. Yeah. 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 Because I can set that intentionally, right? That's the powerful, that's really the powerful concept around being a parent. If you, if you screw it up, like you said in the beginning, the best advice, you know, give yourself, just cut yourself some slack because tomorrow yeah. you can just try to be better. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that also kind of, it, that also kind of, assumes that you have the um that you're humble enough to accept that you're not always perfect and that's oh, for sure. also not for sure. always easy yeah. yeah yeah okay hey can you um translate more of your leadership principles into family do you have something concretely that where you can say ah this is something that really applies to family something that you speak to for in business or in the military or in it doesn't matter but yeah. apply it to family Yeah, I think one of the things I see in the best leaders that I ever worked for and then the leader I really tried to be is I realized that the higher I kind of went up the chain of command, the more, you know, impactful or senior position I ever earned in an organization, um, I always tried to make sure that that power, that position was in service of those I led. You know, instead of thinking that they work for me, I try to think that I work for them. So as a parent, I try and do the exact same thing. I don't try and sit there and be like, hey, I'm the parent. You do what I say. I try and figure out how can I, I turn the script around and be like, okay, I'm the parent. How can I serve you? And the way you serve your children and the way you serve your family is is, is very similar to the way you'd serve. I mean, it sounds crazy maybe, but a combat team or, or a disciplined you know military unit, which is you know, what do they need? You know, what do they need? That's the thing I absolutely am required to provide. And then what do they want and figure out out of the wants, which ones I'm willing to, you know, give or say that's a good thing to want or those things that they want that they shouldn't have. And then so um, I'm always, 
you know, focused on the service to my family as opposed to my family meeting my needs. And they do. I mean, that's, that's why I think our family, uh, you know, is a wonderful place to be and a, and a place I want to be more than, more than not is, is we all take care of each other. But that idea of service to the people that you lead, uh, directly relates to family and, and, and parenting. I think if you think of yourself in service to your, your kids, you're going to have a very good perspective or kind of lens to look through as opposed to thinking that they need to bend to your will. Yeah, that's a powerful concept and the way it puts because servant leadership works obviously in business and, and in, in the community. But if you apply it to family and it makes total sense to me, Yeah, you get paid back exponentially, anyways. Without right? question, because Without they'll be question. successful, they'll be happy, they will like you, <laughs> they don't actually want to speak to you. Yeah, and so yeah. that that helps everybody. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, that's a big topic, eh? To to actually have a relationship, and you you touched on it earlier, to actually have a relationship past the age of eighteen with your kids. Well, yes. you didn't say it in that many words, but that is really what what we're trying to do: make a foundation to have. That's what I'm trying to do anyways. I can speak for myself to yeah. have make a foundation that lasts past 18 years or 20 years where they're really financially dependent. And so they're not just walk out, you know, when, when they're old enough. No, for sure. And I have lucky examples. I, my, my, I've got a younger brother, three years my younger, we're, you know, thick as thieves, best friends have been buddies our entire life. Mm -hmm. And and we had great parents and, and very different parents. Our parents divorced when I was young, but they really did the job all in. My mom's very artistic and and kind of dreamer. Um, anything's possible and, and not particularly disciplined, whereas my dad is unbelievably disciplined and focused. <laughs> and and um, the two of those have come together to, to kind of create some really neat, I think behaviors of my brother and I, but what you said and, and what I, I pray becomes the same thing is I, I talk to my dad in particular every day. I mean, I talk to my dad almost every day. I mean, he's just always been an anchor really? point and there yeah. to, you know, give advice and, and kick ideas around and, and um, boy, that's a relationship I hope exists. You know, I, I, I see, other families and I see other friends who almost don't have relationship with their parents. And I'm like, man, I mean, I, I, you know, if I did the, the time when my dad moves on is going to be a tough uh, meridian to cross because I, I spend so much time talking to him and I sure hope my daughters feel the same about me and my bride as they get older. And how did he manage to do that? Can you put your finger to it? Or is I, it just I think it was theme? much what I was saying with the, you know, sometimes less is more. I think my dad was sparing um, in, um, in major, major uh, kind of affection, although he was never inaffectionate. He just is not a huge kind of heart and, and you know, big hugs type person. But he's very, mm -hmm. very much sincere in, you know, disciplining yourself, working towards a goal educating, reading, seeking out good opportunities, believing in yourself. And, and so that stuff was just a huge example. And then he's lived it. You know, my dad's in his mid seventies. He's still practicing law. He's one of the smartest human beings I've ever talked to in my life. And that exists to this day. As best I can tell, he's only getting sharper and smarter as he's getting older. And uh, so I, I want to be in his life. I, I feel like the things he knows and the, the, the knowledge he possesses is stuff I want. And so 
I think I've led a path in my life to where I've had enough experiences across a lot of different planes and spectrums that, you know, if my daughters ask me a question, I'm probably going to have some good, you know, some good, good advice. I just got to not yeah. beat them up with it now. So I think they seek it later. I think right now it's just, you know, I love you. I want you to find your path. I'm going to help you on your way in that path. I'm going to hold you accountable to a level of behavior that represents yourself and our family well. But when you find your path and you run up against walls, uh, don't hesitate to call. I'm happy to help knock them down for you. Yeah. And that's almost, again, your tiered approach to kind of build it up. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> that's very powerful. I wanted to ask you something, but now I forgot. <laughs> no, it's good. Well, um, um, yeah, I forgot. Sorry. It was about your dad, something. It doesn't matter. No, yeah. Okay, I mean, I'm lucky. Like so I said, I, yeah, close I, I know. I remember. So the divorce. So you said they divorced, but they kind of still managed to bring you two up together? Or how was that? Yeah, it was. Uh, I was eight when when they split. And my brother and I lived with my mom. My dad moved out, but he stayed close. So we were, you know, 15, 20 minutes away. I think mm -hmm. my dad was a young attorney, very aggressively pursuing, you know, kind of his path and fortune and success in, in the business. Fortune was actually the smallest thing he ever focused on. I think it was... It was success and, and excellence in what he did. But I think um, as a new young lawyer, as we were growing up, you know, he was exceptionally busy working long, long hours to kind of prepare cases and go to trial and and to succeed in his disciplined work life. And so I, I think when they were together, it didn't feel like we had as much time with my dad. And when they separated mm -hmm. based on kind of, I think the you know parameters of the divorce, but also him, you know, trying to be present, we actually saw my dad a lot more because of that. So, you know, two nights a week, he would be, um, he would take my brother and I to dinner. Uh, every other weekend, we'd be over at his house and spending time. We love to go fish and be out of doors and, and, and have experiences together. And then my brother and I were both athletes. My dad was a big athlete, a college athlete, actually the same school I went to. So sports were a huge, connecting force for for us you know he was at every game i mean i don't i don't remember him missing i'm sure he did but i i almost don't remember him missing a single game until i went to college he was just always okay. there and um you, you know he loved sports he knew sports so it was a, a language we all spoke together um so yeah it was it was great i mean i think it brought you know my brother and my relationship with my dad closer. Frankly, the divorce did. I don't know if that would have grown naturally if they'd stayed together. And then we had full-time immersion with our mom. So I, I think in some ways we kind of get the got the best of our parents, frankly, because of the divorce. I can't say it would have been like if they'd stuck together. Yeah, and they didn't do parental alienation or something, which yeah, is the yeah. worst. No, they were fantastic. Yeah. I mean, my mom's uh, uh, yeah. marriage and family, you know, do, uh, uh, psycho psych uh, psychologist, and so she knew she knew how to handle it, and I think my dad did too. But it was like my brother and I never felt like we had anything to do with it. It was nothing other than adult big 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 kid problems, and and we were both uh, you know fine. It, they never yeah. laid any of the burden on us. Yeah, and just because the relationship doesn't work doesn't mean yeah. that the parenting uh, should suffer. You know, that's, that's like right. very different. And, and it actually and so, leads me to a concept that I think is important. And that's another thing that my bride and I are real serious about is, is we really don't um, we very much are focused on letting our kids be kids. We, we, we try not to make any adult or things that we think are are, are too adult or um, not something that should be bearing on their kind of spirit and minds right now. I mean, our kids have, they're just now kind of gaining a concept of money and in the simplest terms. It's like, hey, here are the chores you can do at the house to earn this level of money. We don't give you an allowance without doing these chores or, or any mm -hmm. amount of money. So if you want to work towards a goal, 
that's what it takes work. So you do this work, you get a goal and then you can, you know, buy the fish tank or the, you know, the, the, the shirt or the toy that you want. Um, but we very you much pay for tr- chores or do you, do you actually define different um, other work? So chores um, are chores. They're not paid for in my mind. No, no, no. Yeah. Chores are chores. But if they say, Hey, I want to work towards a goal of earning something, yeah. then exactly. They can It's set out work. like, these are the extra things I can do. Or, yeah. you know, if I increase the level of work, I'm doing a certain place that's above and beyond, then yes, that's something that they can get benefit from. Yeah. Um, but you I know, love I think, that. It, yeah. 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 And I think we're just at a very intense time in our world, obviously. I mean, as we're recording this, since it'll hopefully live for a long time, you know, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. We're in the middle of, uh, it seems like extreme tensions between, you know, political parties and, and, you know, racial tension. These things are taking place right now, the world over and, and certainly here in the United States. And, um, you know, there's, it, it's really interesting that my Brian and I are talking a lot about like what, what do we teach them about this and what do we expose them to? Cause it feels like some of these things, even the smartest of adults, philosophers, thinkers, and educators don't really have the answers. Yeah. And I don't want to muddle them with a whole bunch of, you know, uh, heavyweight, you know, emotion and feelings that are just going to make their lives uh, more challenging than they need to be at a certain time. So we stay to the basics. You know, here's here's the respect we have for not, uh, ourselves and other people. Here's how you command it for yourself. This is what we think is important, but not get into the heavyweight stuff where all of a sudden our kids are just stressed out. They don't spend a lot of time on electronics. They don't have phones. We're going to delay all that stuff as long as possible because I want my kids to be kids as long as they can be. They get to be adults for the rest of their life. I well, want if my they kids could shoot guns in your house, then that's awesome anyways. Why would they have guns. phones? <laughs> they can shoot guns. They can't have a cell phone, but they can shoot guns. Exactly. Yep. That's, yep. exactly. that's much more fun. Um, what I wanted to ask you, a different topic though, <clears throat> and that is, I'm as a leader or as a trainer also, and, and having gone through intensive training in different uh, areas, uh, including physical, but also psychological, how do you um, make sure you operate on the things that have the highest impact in your life? So I find myself, just give you context, I find myself in family, but also in business, to sometimes... Uh, get stuck into menial tasks and I try to be very, very, very intentional around my time. I schedule everything um, and I really try to think about what I'm going to do for the highest impact. Yep. Do you have uh, advice on how to make sure that you operate in those quadrants where you can actually have the highest impact? Uh, I think I do. I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I, 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 you know, the thing I miss the most from my time in the military is the schedule is the very disciplined regimented schedule. I mean, my days, that part of the military life is something that very much appealed to my personality, even if I didn't realize mm -hmm. it at the time. The fact that I got up every morning at the exact same time I was at the team, I drag a razor across my face at the same time. This is the uniform we have today. This is when we're going to be working out. This is when we're going to be learning a new piece of technology. This is when we're doing this uh, was, was awesome for me. And in my post-military life, I actually really do wrestle with my schedule because I'm a disciplined person, but I'm not naturally kind of an organized person. So having a daily schedule, I know myself well enough that I'm an early morning person. My brain functions at a high level the second I wake up. And somewhere around midday, it's pretty much a slow degradation into being dang, dang near incompetent by sometime in the evening. So I know for me, I've got to get all my work done up front. And then I need to figure out these times as a parent 
on when I can kind of give my kids the best. So actually getting up early and doing a little workout with them or getting out is a great way for to do it. Or if it's afternoon when I'm not as, you know, kind of high functioning brain wise, then I just try and make it fun. So I try and really cut out times to where, you know, I kind of give myself to my girls. I say, Hey, this is your time. What do you want to do? Let's go have fun together. And I'll, I'll play whatever game you want to play. You know, I mean, there's been plenty of times I've shown up at my CrossFit gym with uh, rainbow colored and pink toenails and I get a halfway <laughs> stare. And I think because people of know course. my background, they probably won't say anything, but I'm like, I got daughters, man. And I don't, I don't care if yeah. my toes are painted. I have pink oh, beard all color. the time. Yeah, man. Yep. yep. Um, <laughs> and I like it. And um, so I used, is it kind of, can I say that the routine, for instance, in the military, I've been in the military too, you know yep. that I've, I'm yep. a high, uh, high altitude mountain. How do you, I don't know in the English word, high altitude mountain soldier. For sure. Special forces. Yeah, yeah. And that routine, would you say that routine helps you take away, um, let's say it kind of, it takes away the thinking. You don't need to do any thinking. You know, you, you shave at that time. You said, you, 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 this is what you dress. You don't need to make a decision, no decision. Da, da, da. So you can just execute yeah. on the stuff that you have to execute on because all the rest has been planned and decided and you make a big decision and that's that the, all other decisions taken care for. Would you agree with that? I would agree. I mean, I just think when you have a disciplined schedule, it gives you a framework. It doesn't mean you're bound by it so to the letter, you know, in a biblical sense that you can't adjust off it. It just gives you a good platform or framework to work through your day, your week, your month, your year. I mean, I think all of us can agree there are so many choices and obviously that's a gift that we have all these choices, but in many ways, an excess. I mean, I just think about when I go to buy something nowadays, you know, you go on Amazon, you go to a store and you're like, goodness yeah, me, there crazy. are 75 yeah. pairs of shoes in the category right. of shoe I want to buy for this purpose. How can I choose which shoe? And I'm, I'm not particularly a wishy-washy person, but I kind of wish there were two. And I'll be like, I'll take that one on the left. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> there are so much, there's so much choice. And I also think it's a thing that's putting tremendous stress on our children is there's so much information. There's so much media. There's so much, um, you know, that's coming through these screens and coming through their world that it's just, I feel like the, the, that there's, it doesn't surprise me that like depression amongst kids and horribly yeah. suicide and things like that yeah. seem to be on the uptick as opposed to the downtick. We think we have this connected, you know, awesome world. And it feels like the connection is separating us more than it's bringing us together. So we, we like living in the tangible world. You know, I want my hands on my kiddos with, with hugs and wrestling and, and being connected than we do, um, you know, want to be sending each other emails or on the phone and doing that stuff. So we, we try and make our experiences, you know, tangible as opposed to in the virtual space. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. And uh, on goal setting, speak on goal setting. Yeah, you know, that's actually, that, that's interesting. I, I think I think we probably do more of that than I realize, but we probably could do more of that of giving our kids, you know, hey, this is, if you want this, here's the steps you need to set to kind of get to the end state you want and to kind of work towards that and then to manage, you know, you know that work and that effort to achieve their goals. We probably could be better about but giving them some goals. I mean, I think, I think we do a little bit on the, you know, like my eldest daughter right now wants, they've wanted pets forever. We love to travel. Travel mm -hmm. as a family. We, I really want to show my kids the world. And we've done some great overseas trips and we have a bunch more planned because I think the travel I had in the military and of course, you know, most of the place I went to were 
pretty tough, challenging, dangerous places. I still think that travel and immersion in other cultures is such a gift um, to anybody in the world that that's what I really want to give them as much as anything before they move on to their, you know, their own lives. I want to, you know, show them the world before the time's done. Um, but so we haven't gotten, you know, a dog or, or kind of a bigger pet because we want to be able to drop drop things and go at a, at a dime. And there's ways to manage that, but we just, we just have decided not to do that. But my eldest really wants a pet. She gave me an entire brief on she wants to do a fish tank and not just a bowl with one fish, like a full on tank with, you know, the lights and the whole deals and multiple fish. And she kind of put a whole like brief together and explained to me why it was important to her and the work she'd do to kind of earn the tank. And there was no way I could say no. She like laid it out and said, this is what I want to do to get there. And I said, all right, well, it's going to be more of these chores. And I'm going to, you know, I kind of doubled what she thought just because I wanted her to know that, you know, the job isn't <laughs> as going to be as easy as you want. I mean, she, she didn't game the system, nice but try. she definitely made it too easy. I was like, nah, nah, it's going to be about double that. But you know, she's, she's a day or so from her goal and she's going to get a fish wow. tank. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, well, man. that's impressive. Yeah. Um, Hey, Rook, we still have time, no stress, but I'm mindful of your time because yeah. I know you have to... No, no, I appreciate off. it. Is there anything that um, that I haven't brought up yet that you find is really important as an experience, Shay, for other dads and moms? Many moms listen to this podcast too. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the things I would say is... Um, my bride, as I described, got into musical theater only about three or four years ago. Okay, so our kids, you know, have been born, we're up and running, uh, you know, are, are, are six and um, eight or, you know, five and seven-year-olds. And she, like I said, is, is, is you know, has been successful in everything she's done. She's also really wanted to be a full-time mom. She had a successful professional career before we had kids. As soon as she had we had kids, she just went all in on it. And I think it's the gift of gift for our families and for our girls. But finding that musical theater brought her into a real passion that I think everybody needs, you know, I love my time in the military. One of the things I've transitioned to post the military is I've gotten big. I was always a big fisherman, but I've gotten into hunting and kind of outdoor pursuits and it's become a, a, a tremendous passion. I mean, it's, it's the same thing as my last life. I just get to eat what I shoot at afterwards and feed my family with the best food on earth. So it's a pretty neat transition from the old skills of, of being able to shoot and, um, you know, move around dangerous terrain. And I think when we as parents have passion, and have pursuits that are our own, it only makes you better for your kids. And I think so few people are pursuing, um, I think you need to pursue what you need to pursue and do what you need to do yeah. to be a provider and, and in your work life. If that happens to be coupled with something you love, awesome. But I think having a real passion, a pursuit that's your own is one of those things that kind of ignites your spirit and soul and one serves as an example for your kids. So they see you're pursuing something that you're passionate about and that you want to do and that makes you happy and brings you joy. But it also, I think, just makes you a better, more balanced, happy person um, to be the type of parent you want to be. So her doing that has been a gift because it felt like I really had passions. And while she had them, she wasn't really executing on those. And as soon as she did, I feel like I've seen a big shift in our family to the positive across all kind of facets. She's happier. She's more refreshed and ready to kind of be a parent, to be a wife and be a partner in this experience. And, and we kind of balance both our passions and it just makes us all better. So I, I would say if you're a parent and the only thing you're doing is parenting or the only thing you're trying to do is balance your work life and your parenting life, you're missing a really big part of, of kind of the thing that makes us all 
you know, happy as humans. And I would, I would pursue your passions and make sure you're showing that as example for your kids as much as what it does for yourself. Yeah. Those are powerful words because you didn't marry uh, just the parent that goes for the mom and the dad, of yeah. course. And so when the kids come and you just stop being yourself and you just are just a parent and you stop being a lover and you stop being a best friend and you stop, that's not, not relationship based, but the yeah. same counts for yourself and your own passions and your hobbies and what you love doing, you're also not true to yourself, right? If you right. begin to yoga or begin to dancing or begin to whatever it is, hunting and going away with the boys and, and doing that, and you deny yourself that, you're kind of cutting off the reason why you went into the relationship in the first place, right? No doubt about it. You're taking that away. Yeah. That's powerful. Rock with this. I would wrap it up. I'll let you go. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Thank that was an easy so conversation. Much. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, that was really, really good. And if you want to show your girls the world and your wife, come and visit me in Cape Town, man. I I, uh, I I say this utterly sincerely. I will take you up on it. We're we're really you know kind of picking our next trip. Our our summer trip this year got you know grenaded by the uh, the pandemic. We were heading to Italy, and then of course we were literally booking the trip as like Italy was falling apart as one of the yeah. first major <laughs> European countries. I was like, well, that doesn't Not look idea. like the right place to yeah. go. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but no, Africa is a, a massive desire, and I think the girls are in age two where I'd love to see where you live, and I'd also love to get out in the bush yeah. and show them the wild. I'd love to do it. I'd love to do it. Come here. You can also go hunting here or you go to South Africa and Namibia. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm in, man. Yeah, I'm in. And, and don't don't get over the pond and get here without uh, coming to see us. We'd love to host you. I will do so. Awesome. Cool, man. Thank you, Rock. My pleasure, brother. I enjoyed it. Awesome. Super. Thank you so much for listening in. I really hope you liked the session. If you did, please share this podcast. I'm sure you know someone who wants to hear this. Make no mistake, your shares are meaningful and they drive our success. So thank you for sharing. Thanks for listening in. Hope to catch you next time. Have an awesome day. Ciao.